eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Raider Nation, it's Scott Branson, host of Silver and Black today on behalf of the entire organization here, the Odyssey Sports family, my co-host Mo Moten, my producer David Stepani. We just want to wish our best to DeMar Hamlin, his family, and continued prayers for the tragedy that we saw occur before our eyes on the field in Cincinnati on Monday night. This is an episode we recorded yesterday, but out of respect for DeMar, his family, and the entire NFL community, we held on to this episode and to air on Wednesday instead. So that's what you'll hear now. But we implore you, please continue to pray for DeMar Hamlin, his family, and everybody in the NFL. There are things bigger than football. And of course, life, especially of a 24-year-old young man, much more important than that. So again, please keep them in your prayers and your thoughts. And just remember how important life is. And as much as we love and have a passion for football, it is nothing compared to the life of a young man. It's time. Time for Silver and Black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get, get it, it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo. Welcome back. Happy Tuesday, Raider Nation. Welcome back to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast where we talk nothing but Las Vegas Raiders football. Your guides through the next bit here on the show. I am Scott Branson, your host. You can follow me at, on Twitter at LV Gully. You can also follow my co-host. He is one Mr. Mo Moten. That's with an E for your Mo, by the way. He is the national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. Also, the Raiders columnist up on sportsnot.com. Follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. All right, Mo, we get the first time to talk to you since the game on Sunday. 
Uh, it was a great game, of course, not great for the Raiders again because they lose. They again blow their fifth double-digit lead in the second half. That is the bad. The good, we're going to start with the good, and that, of course, was Jarrett Stidham coming in. We have the Derek Carr situation last week, dominated the news cycle, divided Raider Nation again at least a little bit. Uh, but Jarrett Stidham comes in, and I'm going to read some of these things to you because we went over him the other night on the postgame show, Mo, but to look at what Jarrett Stidham, I think people are like, oh, it's only one game, and, and that's true, and we're going to get into that in a second. But 23 of 34, 67, almost 68% completion rate, 365 yards, three touchdowns, the two picks, including the one at the end, which was not good, 108.1 passer rating, also rushed for 34 yards. Stidham's 365 yards, by the way, passing are the most in a single game by a Raiders QB since week 12 of the 2021 season. That was Derek Carr, who threw for 373. Also, uh, among NFL quarterbacks in their first career start, Mo, 365 passing yards is the sixth most in NFL history history. Stidham's performance marked the first game of 350 plus passing yards and three touchdown passing, uh, excuse me, touchdown passes by a Raiders quarterback since week 13 of 2020. Of course, Derek Carr, 381 and three. Um, and not only that, among Raider quarterbacks in their first career start in franchise history, his three touchdowns tied for the most since 2013 when Matt McCloin, I know everybody loves to hear that name, uh, did it as well. There's a bunch of other ones we're going to get through here too, Mo, but want to get your reaction to Jared Stidham's performance uh, and what it might mean for him with one more game as an audition and what it might mean, because I think you have a great take on what it actually means uh, for the Raiders moving forward at the quarterback position. First of all, I want to say my Jared Stidham jersey is in the mail. It's on the way. Uh, Number three. Stid, Stidham is what we're going to call him on the show. I know people like to go with Stiddy. Yeah. I heard uh, Studham, and I heard, I heard a lot of nice nicknames for Jared Stidham. But uh, I, I had an immediate take after the game. And, and like you said at the top of the show, this is not an overreaction show, so we're not claiming Jared Stidham is now going to be the starting quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders in 2023. But what I will say is he put his name in the conversation to at least be on the roster and compete, depending on who the Raiders add at the quarterback position. I think regardless of what happens – against the Kansas City Chiefs, I think he's going to be a backup. If you remember when Josh McDaniels came over from New England, what is one of the first things that he did? He acquired Jared Stidham from the Patriots. So this is a guy that he already felt comfortable with. Jared Stidham knew the playbook already. He spent, I believe he was drafted in 2019 in a fourth round. So he has years of experience knowing how Josh McDaniels' system works. So I think going forward, Josh McDaniels, maybe he didn't expect Jared Stidham to put up the numbers that he put up, but I'm sure he had confidence in Jared Stidham. You can tell in the play call that he trusted the quarterback. So, again, I feel like Jared Stidham may not be the starter, but he's going to be in the mix to be Q, at least QB2 at the very least. Yeah, year. and 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 you're right. I mean, listen, he's got one more game to show it, and he's playing Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but, Mo, I, I think you have to put it into perspective because, listen, again, I'm not making more out of it. Uh, as some fans are ready to, you know, as 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 Murph said on the post game show on Sunday, some fans are ready to give him a gold jacket after one game. We're not there. <laughs> not what we're doing he's here. Not, he's not Joe Montana yet. You mean? <laughs> no, no, not no. Okay. Uh, and, but but what I'll say though is, um, he's got one more game to kind of show that and and to kind of buy. It. I mean, listen, he's going to be a free agent. 
right? Because he was on a one-year mm-hmm. deal or his rookie deal. So basically a one-year deal. So he's here, the, the Raider, he gets the opportunity to not only showcase himself for the Raiders, but maybe for another opportunity. Um, I, I would guess that he would stick with the Raiders and be QB2 or who knows, depending on what they do in the offseason. Uh, but you look at this, and, and again, not making more out of it, but you look at the numbers and again, some of them are just eye-popping when you consider completed nine passes of 20-plus yards. Nine passes. It's the most in a single game for a Raiders this season. In fact, his nine 20-yard completions are tied for the most by a Raiders quarterback in a single game since 2000. So you're talking 22 years since a quarterback had the deep ball uh, proficiency that Jarrett Stidham had. And that's the one thing I said the other night, Mo, and I want to get your reaction to this, was that's what impressed me most about him. I mean, I knew he would make mistakes, and he made two big ones with the interception, although one was tipped. But I will tell you this, the confidence level, the ability to step up, move in the pocket, create with his legs, and and not give up on plays too early were just incredible. And on the plays where he was flushed out of the pocket – where he had to figure out what to do and go through multiple reads, that's where he ended up completing these long passes, including two for touchdown. Before I go into that, I just want to say one thing. Don't treat Jared Stidham like he's some scrub. Right. I, I didn't, I didn't, I forgot all about this, but Vinny Bonsignor, the Las Vegas Review Journal, retweeted a 24 7 sports article where it showed that Jared Stidham was actually the number one recruited quarterback coming out of high school. Yeah. Remember, he's in the, he was in the same class with Kyler Murray. And Lamar Jackson, he, he, I think Lamar Jackson was one year, year behind. Yeah. So yeah. just, just remember, Jared Stidham had some buzz coming out of high school. So this isn't some, you know, some scrub coming out of nowhere. But to your, to your point about the the deep ball proficiency and getting the ball downfield, I think there's a combination of things at work here. One, as I just said, I think Josh McDaniels trusts Jared Stidham, knowing that he knows that playbook. And the other thing is, what does Jared Stidham have to lose? I mean, yeah. he's basically auditioning, <clears throat> even though Josh McDaniels knows who's he, who he is, he's auditioning for a starting job. In his mind, he's thinking, I could win a starting job. Because think of it this way. Um, as I said on a previous show, not all quarterbacks are picked in the first round and become stars. Some some guys look at Dak Prescott. Uh, he took mm-hmm. advantage of Tony Romo getting hurt. He was a fourth rounder. Uh, Tony Romo himself was undrafted. I mean, so yeah. if you have the mentality that, regardless of where I was drafted or how I signed with the team, I have a chance to start. You're going to let it all hang out. And that's what Jared Stidham did. The other thing is you touched on is escapability. When you have the ability to extend plays, you can get the ball downfield. That, that pass to Devontae Adams in the third quarter for that touchdown. That is because Jared Stidham was able to escape and he took bravely took a hit from two 49ers defenders before he got it down to Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams basically did the scramble drill, kept the play going move downfield and that's how that play happened it's a court if that was there and i don't want to compare Derek carr but there are a yeah. lot of times with Derek carr in those situations checks it down or throws it away jared stidham threw it downfield and, and it worked out for him well and and that's where where i noticed the big difference and again we're, we're not here to, to bash Derek carr that's not what we're going to no. do no. uh and there's comparisons you can make well we're going to in the second segment i'm going to talk about the carr brothers because There's some things afoot that are just puzzling. But anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. But with Derek Carr, you're right. You watch the film of Jared Stidham on Sunday, and you see, uh, when you watch the whole film and you can see the whole field, you see where many times he had. He had Foster Moreau or Darren Waller or Hunter Renfro in that, that underneath route wide open. But he also had Devontae Adams or uh, or Darren Waller a couple times 
open on the deep. He made the reads. And in fact, on the TV broadcast, Mo, you heard uh, Mark Sanchez, a former NFL quarterback, talking about how he liked how he saw Stidham going through his progressions. And I think that that to me was early on. You just noticed you noticed how confident he was. He knows the system. He taught he'll help teach the system to Derek Carr. Derek Carr mentioned it in the preseason, by the way. So he was there to help that team. And a bunch of the guys mentioned it after the game. But that ability to not only be comfortable in the system, but also that uh, that escapability. It's not about being a running quarterback. It's about being a mobile quarterback who can get outside the pocket. And that's yes. what we saw at Jared. That's why he was so successful against the best defense in the NFL. Absolutely. It's, it's, like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to make this an anti Derek Carr episode. So I won't, I won't, you know, go into too many comparisons there, but if you look at the way Jared Stidham played and you look at Devontae Adams quote at the end of the game, he, I'm paraphrasing. Basically he said, Jared Stidham stay in the pocket. He had blood in his teeth when he came over to Devontae Adams, guy sticks in the pocket and took some hits wasn't afraid to get hit. Not this is not to say that Derek Carr was afraid to get hit, but this is a guy who absorbed some hits that at times maybe you felt like, okay, Jared Stidham, you need to settle down and get down on the ground. Don't take too many hits yeah. because you don't want to get knocked <laughs> out of the game. So I think that's right. that's the balance that a quarterback with this capability has to wrestle with. When right. to get down and when to give yourself up and when to keep the play going. And on third down, you have to get it downfield. You have to chuck it down there. And he Jared Stidham did that to not to perfection, but at a high level, and and he deserves praise for that. He does. And listen, you have to compare him to Carr because that's who he replaced, right? I, I know what you're saying. But at the same time, I, and I said this, I think, on Monday morning, which was, look, you don't have to bash Derek Carr. You just you look at it from the perspective of both quarterbacks have unique talents. They have different talents. Jared Stidham can do things Derek Carr can't, can't do. And I think there's things Derek Carr can do because of his experience. You're talking about a nine-year starter in 142 career games. There's things he can do. Jared Stidham hasn't been able to do either yet. He's only played one game. So it's a small sample size. But that's why you have to be impressed with it because people who are saying, well, it's only one game, yes, but that's all you have to go on. And so you have to look at that. And until Jared Stidham goes out and throws for 80 yards and 18 interceptions in a game – you, you got to like what he's been able to do. And not only that, but you're right. He's talented. He's a kid who started, he was going to go to Baylor transfers to Auburn. He played in, in that conference. So he played big time college football. This is not somebody who does not know what it's like to be under the microscope. And so this game against the 49ers, nobody was giving the Raiders a chance. Now you and I, and Evan, our good friend, Evan Grote, we were talking about how we loved the plus nine and a half for the Raiders. And we turned out being right on that. We all made a little money. But at the same time, that's what's more impressive to me. Now, again, they don't have film on him. So there was an advantage there because they didn't know what they were getting into. So I'm not going to make too much out of it. But still, this is not him going against the going against a bad defense, like like a Houston defense or one of those top or lower tier defenses. This was a damn good defense. And, and they, he got pressured. He didn't get sacked, but he got pressured a lot, got hit a lot, and he hung in there. Right, and he's going to play a weaker defense in the Kansas City Chiefs unit yeah. on Saturday. So I'm interested to see how that turns out. But to your point, you can be you could be happy for what Jared Stidham did and still yeah. understand that, yes, it is one game. So I think a lot of times on social media, it's got to be one extreme. Or the, you hear me say this all the time. It's got to be one extreme or the other. You got, It's either you're putting a gold jacket on Jared Stidham now <laughs> or, or you're being accused of being happy that the Raiders – uh, you're being too happy about a Raiders loss. And I think 
I think with with a lot of fans, and I I could say it's because people have told me this in in direct messages that yeah. they're not happy. That, of course, they're disappointed that the Raiders blew another you know double digit lead. This is the fifth one yeah. this season, most in NFL history. They're not happy about that. Of course, you always want to win football games. But what you have to understand is there are a lot of fans who wanted to see something different at the quarterback position. And to see something different and to see that spark that Jarrett Stidham provided, it's exciting for a lot of fans because it gives them hope for the future that even if Jarrett Stidham is not the guy, it kind of mm-hmm. opens your eyes that there is life after the car era. And, and Correct. There's things that you could take from Jarrett Stidham that you would want in a young quarterback, such as his escapability. You know, such as the ability to not ability, but the decision making where he doesn't take the check down and goes for the deep ball. Now, again, there's give and take with that. You have to do it at the right time, but it Mm -hmm. gives you hope for the future. Well, and fit with the system. And I think that's it. That's what I was saying as the decision was made. And and for those of you who love Derek Carr, I got no problem with that. Like we all have favorite players. I think you're starting to see a lot of people who were fans of Derek Carr first and maybe of the Raiders second out there as well. And that's fine too. That's your choice. But I will say that when this happened, that's where I, th- I thought a lot of the fans who were, were kind of like, well, it's a bummer. We appreciate Derek, but, but I'm excited. They were excited because it was a change. They wanted to see something different, not just for the sake of doing things different, but because this team has kind of operated how it's operated with Derek Carr. And I think that this change was something people look forward to. And listen, they got a first act that was damn impressive again. And so we'll, we'll, we'll continue to, to watch how that goes. And he's got one more game. Make no mistake about it. 49ers number one ranked defense in yards and points allowed. And the Rays were able to go up and down the field for a, a lot of the, a lot of that game, especially in the first half. Now, of course, as you pointed out, Stidham did make some mistakes. It wasn't a perfect audition, no. but to come out in your first career start against the league's <laughs> best defense and put up those numbers, you have to give him credit for that. Absolutely. Just to put it into perspective, and again, this is this is what it is. Raiders quarterbacks with 350 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and a hundred plus passer rating in a game since 2005. Okay, so Derek Carr's first season with 14. Um, there's only two quarterbacks. Derek Carr did it three times in 142 games, and Jared Stidham did it once in one game. Just to put it into perspective, I mean, that's not a knock against Carr. That just shows you how hard it is. Uh, at least for the Raiders franchise, and and Jared Sidham did it. So that's that's where we're at. There's all kinds of stats out there. People, some people don't like them because they think it's a burn on Derek Carr. It's not. It just is. Facts are facts. Numbers are numbers. And um, that's the Raiders' new quarterback. So you, we talk about but, him. By the way, the stat that I was impressed with: there are only two quarterbacks in the NFL who thrown for three touchdown passes against the 49ers defense. Yes, Pat Mahomes Pat. and Jared Stidham. Yes. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Those are the numbers. Those, those are the numbers. numbers. I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not saying Stidham's all famous, but those are the numbers. And they square off against one another on Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, as uh, with a number one seed possibly as the yep. prize for the Chiefs. So, so the Raiders can be big time sports. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, I talked about we want to talk moving forward, but but some things happened on Monday around the Derek Carr situation that we're going to get into a little bit um, and we'll talk about uh, because it, it blows my mind that we're actually going to talk about it, but we will. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Silver and Black today. He is Mo Moten. I am Scott Colbranson. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. 
Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast. We appreciate you being here talking nothing but... Las Vegas Raiders football. If you don't already subscribe to the show, please help us out. Do that wherever you find your podcast. Just subscribe to Silver and Black today. Put on that auto download so Mo and I can at least get some bread and water. And uh, we we would appreciate that very much. If you're watching us on YouTube, we appreciate that as well. Thanks for the chat over there on the side. Do us a favor there. Subscribe and also hit the notifications bell. Follow Mo on Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. He's a national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, also a sports not columnist covering the Raiders. Uh, and you can follow me at LV Gully. The show is SNB Today. Okay, Mo, Car Wars. This might be the last rendition of car wars on this show i wasn't even going to talk about this but i i I just i'm going to go on a little soapbox i want to get your reaction because you're always level-headed and maybe i'm just fired up about it but on monday well first of all on sunday when the 49ers beat the raiders david carr Derek carr's older brother and his bulldog by the way he always has been anytime Derek carr's got a problem it comes out through david carr because he's on the nfl network um to, or excuse me, put on Instagram, on his Instagram stories, a picture of a crying kid in a 49er jersey. Okay, so that's number one. Number two was then on Monday, people were, have been obviously, a lot of folks are upset about the Derek Carr situation. We're asking David Carr about, you know, what he thinks, what happens. He then said he would talk about it on NFL Network and get into the true story, the truth. Then something happened, and I guess maybe the NFL Network folks agreed with what I that. that the reason I got blocked by David Carr, by the way, on Twitter a couple of years ago was because I was just critical of his brother. And I also said that it was not ethical to have him covering his brother because I don't think it is. He then said it, suddenly the NFL Network wasn't in play and he's going on his son and his nephew's podcast to talk about. And he'll give the truth about Josh McDaniels and blah, 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 and Mark Davis and all this kind of stuff. So my question is, David Carr is hinting at he's going to tell the whole truth and, and air this dirty laundry. Why the hell is he doing that? Number one, his brother's a grown-ass man, a multimillionaire who's played, had a nice career in the NFL. I understand it's family. Mo, if somebody attacks you or Evan on Twitter, I jump right in and start going nuts on them, right? Because we're buddies, and I support my friends, so I understand that. But in this case, you're talking about a professional athlete who's a grown man who's in the arena still. This is a guy who said he wants to play again. At least that's what we're hearing. And his brother is now going to go out and what? Say terrible things about the Raider organization. My question to you is, I get the familial tie. I get sticking up for your little brother. No problem with that per se. But you are a member of the NFL media. I understand you're alumni. You're a member of the NFL media. And your brother's going to go play for another franchise somewhere. 
It's not a good idea to air dirty laundry about one of the owners. I don't care what they did to you. And maybe there was things that happened that we don't know about. And that's fine. That all can come out at some point in time. But the, to do this when it's fresh, to do this when your brother's trying to maybe get another deal or go somewhere else, tell me how this makes any sense. The only angle I could see from David Carr's perspective where this makes sense is Derek is not going to step to the media and say exactly what's on his mind. We've known that about Derek his whole career. He always gets to the podium and says the right thing. He's not going to throw people under the bus. He's not going to tell you exactly what's bothering him, except for the Colts. After the, after the Colts loss, he broke down. That was that one yeah. time where we kind of got the the candid uh, words from Derek Carr, where he was actually what was actually on his mind. But for the most part, Derek Carr is is very good at at again saying the right things at the podium. David Carr is like it's like good cop bad cop almost. Da- David Carr is now going to go out. And in a sense, you know, he's talking to Derek. So what he says is probably what's on Derek's mind. So Derek doesn't have to go out there and be the bad guy and air the dirty laundry because that's not that hasn't been in his nature. Mm-hmm. But David, he's he's willing to go there. So as a brother, as an older brother, the protective senses kick in. He's going to sure. say, OK, OK, Derek, you you know, you don't want to go out there and, and say what's going on behind closed doors that you feel is, is you know, done wrong. I'm going to go out there and do it. And that's that that's that's frankly what I think is happening here. I, I get what you're saying that he's a media member so it comes off as obviously biased. Sure. But I, I think he's he's been on NFL Network for how many years and everyone knows that he's the brother of Derek Carr and yeah. everyone knows yeah. that he's he's going to be he, at the time when Derek Carr was in the Raiders plans, he was going to be pro Raider and he was going to be pro Derek Carr. And again, they've they let him get by on that. So, let, yeah, they've let it happen. Absolutely. In, in this case, it's Derek. You don't have to be the bad guy and get out there and say what's going on. I'll do it for you. Yeah, but but again, he's not twelve. I'm sorry. I, I understand what you're saying, Mo, and I just I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm disagreeing with the approach which you laid out, which I think is absolutely correct and plausible. My point is here is one of the knocks against Derek Carr. And I don't think it's fair, especially on the field, is that he's soft. Because just because you get hurt does not make you soft. Just because you're not telling everybody F off doesn't make you soft. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, though, is in this situation, I get it. I get defending your brother. And again, I would defend you. I would defend my kids, my wife. All the people who mean something to me in my life, I would defend. Absolutely. So I don't fault that side of it. But now you're going to go out and air dirty laundry. And then what if he's got to cover a Raider game? Then what? Right? It, 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 it's just so unprofessional is my point. There's a time and a place for everything. And if the organization, let's say they did, because we don't know for certain. Let's say there was something that went on with Josh McDaniels or whatever. I don't know. But if there was, from Derek Carr's perspective, by the way, that's one side of the story. Then... The timing of it, and when you talk about it, there's an appropriate time for that. Right now, to publish pictures of people in 49ers jerseys crying kids uh, when the Raiders lose to the 49ers right after the game, it's just childish. It's like, dude, you were an NFL court. You were a number one draft pick. What are you doing? Like, what? All these internet trolls who made Derek Carr the, the focus and target of their lives for the last four or five years especially. 
We heard about them. We know they got under his skin because his brother would go and, and, and take everybody out. He'd block everybody. He'd do all this kind of stuff. And so now you're doing the same thing that you decry people for. This is where I'm just the hypocrisy of it all. And the fact, and this is the question I'm going to get to, because I'm, 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 I'm done complaining about it, but you're <laughs> going to tell me he's going to go for a new deal. If you're a team, yes, you're looking at the talent. I get it. But, but, but all this garbage and circus that goes around, listen, I got nothing wrong with you sticking up for your family and it's a big family. I get it. But you're going to have four brothers that are going to go out and just constantly troll and you're going to fund podcasts and YouTube channels to, to push a narrative around certain things. Is that what they're, if you're an NFL team, do you look at that and say, I don't know if I want to be a part of that? You know what I'll say? I'm when not it saying it's going to cost him a one second. Mo. I'm not going to say it's going to cost him a job, but if I'm looking at it from the outside, I'm like, what is wrong with these people? He's a professional. I mean, you don't see Peyton Manning's brother going nuts. You didn't see Eli Manning's brother, Eli Manning going nuts when Peyton was criticized. You didn't see that family go completely ape shit on these people. Mm -hmm. I don't have to bleep that, but it, it's just, it's just odd to me. It's not common. It's not. I'll tell. I'll say that it is not common to to have that dynamic where your brother is a part of the media and can go out there and basically be be your mouthpiece. Mm. But what I will say is, for 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 the cars, you don't hear too much noise during the season. This is a bad. This is obviously a bad breakup. And I will say that teams aren't going to care because they're thinking about Derek Carr can winning. get us to the playoffs <laughs> and winning some football games. Now, however, sure. it ends, it ends, and he wants to air dirty laundry by our organization, unless you got something to hide. These teams aren't going to care. But from a perspective where you're coming from, I, I get what you're saying. I, it It's something that it makes you cringe, and D David Carr is petty. Let's just say, let's call it what it is. The, the yeah. 49er picture that he put out during the game or after, that's pettiness. Yeah. And And – Clearly to me, what this says is there are hurt feelings. And I think there that's are, pretty obvious. There yes. are hurt feelings there. And 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 his brother, David, probably feels like Carr, his little brother, younger brother, put his heart, put blood, sweat, and tears into this organization. That's and they fair. treated him wrong. And again, there are feelings there that that come into play, and this is what you're getting. That that's correct. And 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 again, I, I give Derek Carr credit because you know, there's been times in my life where I've been now, looking back at it, too loyal, <laughs> or I should say not too loyal, loyal to the wrong people, okay? And so I can understand and empathize with Derek Carr and even David Carr uh, that they probably were all in on the Raiders, and they believed everything, that he was going to be there forever, he's going to retire an old, the old quarterback with the Raiders, have his number retire, you know, whatever. But but that didn't happen. And And again, too, I also think that there's there's a sense though that you signed a contract where you knew that it's kind of an audition year, and and was Derek Carr a terrible quarterback? No, but he didn't perform up to expectations. You opened the door, okay? So this narrative that's now being pushed around, well, they 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 really sabotaged him. <laughs> well, oh, listen, gosh. listen, come on, let's be serious here. Number one. You, you try to win ball games and, and it's not, it's not, that's not the case. We also saw you and I talked about on this show a couple times about how the story has, it's been told now from several, more than several numerous national sources about Derek Carr wanting to step away the team away from the team, not to be a distraction. He asked the Raiders gave permission. 
There was one publication and then a lot of the car group saying that, no, they asked him, they told him he had to leave, which we know is not possible under the current CBA. So when a player is not injured. So you're seeing all this back and forth. So this started immediately. And you're right. There's hurt feelings there. And I get it. Look, if I lost my job after nine and a half years pouring everything into something, I get it. I understand the emotion there. But my point is you step away and you wait because to do things in an emotional state, as we've seen on Twitter with Raider fans the last week, is not a good thing. I will say this. I'm interested to see what David Carr is going to say. Yeah. Is what he, is I'm he making just, assumptions. That's fair, too. I, I want to know if, if I want to know if he's going to clarify exactly how those discussions went down. Of course, he's mm-hmm. not going to give specifics. But is he going to clarify this, how that discussion went down and how Derek Carr the reasons why Derek Carr decided to step away and the team gave him permission to step away. It, Cause that, that seems to be the, the buzz topic out now because people are saying, well, Derek Carr quit on his team. And I think, I think if anything that Dave is going to say, he's going to try to clarify that. And I also sure. think he's going to probably talk about what Carr's preferences are as, as far as how he wants to move forward with his career. I think, I think that's going to be a major topic. I'm not going to say he's going to give out a list of teams that Derek want to go to, but I think he's going to he's going to straighten out some quote unquote straighten out some narratives that may be out there unfavorable to his brother again with the protection of family in play. So I I I want to hear what David says before I go all in and say, well, you know, this is super inappropriate. But I get what you're saying. It is uncommon for for a family member to do this. But I want to hear. I at least want to hear as a as a media person, you know, we, sure. we enjoy chaos. We enjoy stories and chaos. Well, people and are going to be I'm not people are going to be pissed off that we're even talking about this, but but it, it it's worth talking about because it's, you just don't see it. It's it's worth talking about about because what David Carr says on that podcast is going to be news because yes. if you if you've been following Derek Carr's career, you know that David Carr is going to say things that are probably on Derek's mind. But remember before, <laughs> right when Josh McDaniels was hired by the Raiders, what happened? David Carr was on NFL Network. I believe he was on the show. I won't mention the show because we don't want to give outside promotion. Yeah. But he was on a Fox show and he talked about Derek Carr wanted trust from a new regime. He wanted buy-in and he wanted stability. Basically, I'm not paraphrasing, but yeah. those are things that he wanted because of the trade rumors that were reoccurring year after year. He went mm-hmm. on a show and, and talked about the things that Derek Carr may find attractive in a new regime and from Josh McDaniels. So this right. is not the first time that David has come out and spoke on behalf of his younger brother. Right. And not only that, but a, sh- a show later uh, that same month, he talked about how, because they asked him how Derek was feeling about Josh May. Oh, and, and he, he glowed about how great they right. were and how they were on the same page. And finally, he's got this and he's got that. Mm-hmm. So they felt good about it at that time. And then, it, 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 so so we'll Scott's see what, what he says. And it obviously has changed. It's gone 180 degrees. And he's doing it on a, on a, on a podcast hosted by his son and his nephews. So, so we're not, not going to get probing questions. We're going to get basically a monologue. So we'll see what, what happens. And again... <laughs> My personal wish for Derek Carr is that he goes on and does whatever he needs to do and has, has the opportunity to play again, right? Uh, whether or not the Raiders benefit from that with draft picks or he just walks away as a free agent and signs somewhere, uh, it's good for you. It's just unusual because you just don't see people doing this, especially not only not only family members. I mean, you see mothers and wives do it, and it makes national news, and it's made fun of 
frankly. I mean, you saw Patrick Mahomes' wife. You see his brother, who's an embarrassment, too. You see uh, Mac Jones' mom. Or not Mac Jones' mom. Um, Zach Wilson's mom. All that stuff with the, the, the women and then his mom tweeting out at people. All that stuff made major news. Um, and now you're seeing it from a former NFL quarterback and the brother. So it's just really odd, and that's where I was going to address it. And we'll see what happens uh, as we move forward. All right, we're done with that subject for now, unless David Carr says something totally crazy or enlightening. He could say something very enlightening as well. Give him credit if, it, if he gets it. Um, but uh, we're going to switch from that. We're going to take a break, Mo. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the defense as well in this game because a lot of people, well, the defense sucks, and this is why we lost to the 49ers. But I want to talk about that and through that because I think a lot of people, I still see a lot of fire Patrick Graham, and I don't think that's the issue. So when we come back, we'll talk about the Raiders' defense uh, as well as uh, their lack of bodies on that side of the ball. You're listening to Silver and Black today and Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere. We are coming right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It is time for the final segment of this edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Do us a favor, if you would, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Turn on that auto download every time we push a show. Guess what? It'll be right there on your phone, your iPad, wherever you're listening to us, and you will get to spend your quality time with Mo and Scott. Yes, we are your buddies in the box, the phone, wherever you're, the car. We got people who work out to us, Mo. I love that people are working out and sweating, improving themselves as they listen to the show. I'm glad they're not listening to 50 Cent and they're tuning in to us because that <laughs> that gives me some uh, some more street cred out there. Like, look, you know, listen, people listen to me. They don't listen to 50 in the club or or whoever the, <laughs> the younger kids are listening to their drill music. I, I know it. Yes, I know what drill music is. It's popular right here in New York City. A lot of people. I will say that drill music is. While it's not productive, not great music, uh, material-wise, great workout tracks there. But I, I'm, I'm thankful that people would it, rather listen to us. For the, is, is it music made with a drill? What the hell is drill music? I'm exactly. old. I'm older. You're younger than me. You're not. You're not exactly twenty, but you're younger than me. What the hell is drill music? Is it hip hop? Is what is it? Or is it like house? Is it electronic it's a music? Different. It's a very different brand of rap. I. Oh, I'll okay. explain it to you off air because okay, gotcha. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, what's that word? I, I don't want to cont not contaminate. I don't want to corrupt <laughs> a portion of our audience. So I'll gotcha. tell you off air. Okay. That makes sense. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> Whatever we can do to make sure our listeners stick around, at least the ones that still like us. Uh, that that's good. That's good. Um, but you know, 
I'll tell you what, one of the things that I saw after the game, and believe me, I said it during the game too on Sunday, Mo, is I said, listen, the lack of pass rush is going to kill the Raiders against this 49ers team. Okay. And sure enough, that's what happened. Chandler Jones was out. You had Denzel Perryman out. You, in essence, had uh, two backups and a practice squad linebacker that I even forgot was on the roster um, playing at linebacker the entire game. And then you had the trouble in the backfield. You had Nate Hobbs. And I want to talk about because I was very critical of Nate Hobbs. But you on Monday brought up the key point with Nate Hobbs that I think our listeners need to hear. We'll talk about that in a second. But this defense, there's still a lot of hate for Patrick Graham. And, and I don't think people, I think that's an emotional response. And that's cool. You're a fan. No problem. But when you look at how this defense and where it's improved at times, is it good enough? No, it's nowhere near good enough uh, where it needs to be for this team to be competitive in the AFC race. But you have seen improvement in areas over time at times. And I think Patrick Graham's system and what he's doing and what he wants his players to do sunk in somewhere around the beginning of that 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 win streak. Because we've seen the Raiders defense over the last nine games improve in many, many ways. It still has major failures at key moments, but it has gotten better. Um, and then it's been decimated by injuries. And, and we talked about that with Sunday's game. But overall, when you look at this, and we're going to do a full evaluation after the season, but is a lot of the fan narrative and our and, and even some media narrative around how bad this defense is, 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 is that really indicative of the job that Patrick Graham is doing? Or is that unfair to him? I think as a coordinator, he has to bear some of the blame, right? Because mm -hmm. he is the mm -hmm. one pulling the strings. But to your point, the Raiders had four straight games where they gave up 20 or fewer points. That's not counting the Chandler Jones walk-off, uh, the stiff six as our guy, Derek Carr's hair, who changed his name, by the way, to Jared Stidham's hair on Twitter. <laughs> um, he called it the stiff six, and I like that nickname. But not counting that that touchdown, the Raiders' uh, defense gave up, again, 20 or fewer points in four consecutive games. So. Yep. You also have to look at, as you said, they, there were there was a stretch of improvement. Now, Patrick Graham deserves some some criticism early in the season, especially especially when mm -hmm. the defense falls apart and, and the Raiders are scoring points. But I will say that I don't want to say that the cupboard is bare for the defense because you do have Max Crosby, Chandler Jones started to come on late. Jerry Tilly was a good addition. Jaron Harmon has played well this year in good in good spots. Nate Hobbs, eh, kind of iffy. But I think you're going to have to understand that the Raiders are probably not going to get rid of Patrick Graham in the yeah. offseason. He's going to yeah. get another year with, with a full draft class because I, I would assume that the Raiders are going to draft high at certain premium positions on, a, yep. on the defense, specifically at cornerback. Uh, I think they still need a linebacker, even though it's not viewed as a premium position. The Raiders haven't had a steady linebacker in how many years. They're probably going to get another interior defensive lineman. But So we know all the holes that this defense has. So with that, that I don't want to say it gives Patrick Graham a pass, mm -hmm. but it, it'll extend his tenure and say, well, he's not fully to blame because the Raiders didn't have enough pieces on the defensive side of the ball, and that is the correct assessment. So for the people yelling, fire Patrick Graham, get rid of Patrick Graham, bring in someone else, it's probably not going to happen. The Raiders are going to give him more pieces to work with in 2023. Not only that, but you're going to tell me you want your third defensive coordinator. I mean, he is the third defensive coordinator. You want your fourth mm -hmm. defensive coordinator in four years? That you get into trouble, too, because you're drafting players based on the system, too, right, to fit into that system. And so Patrick Graham, like you said, hasn't had the opportunity to get any of those bodies in there. Um, they've tried to patch it together the best they can with the Tillery edition and others. Um, and so so to me, yeah, I listen, to your point, 
Has he done perfectly? No. Just like Josh McDaniels deserves a ton, a ton of criticism for how he's managed games and coached this season. No question they got to get better next year or or the the seat will get very hot. But you also need bodies on that side. Before we get to that equation, let's talk about a guy you and I raved and raved and raved about all offseason. Between Nate Hobbs and Trayvon Morig, we really talked about how great these guys could be, that the Raiders might have struck gold with these two players. Nate Hobbs, since his injury especially, even earlier than that, has really struggled. And, and the key here for folks who aren't into X's and O's, right, which is most people, and this is why when you, when you tweeted about it to somebody who was asking you about it on Monday, I quickly noted it down for the show, and that is Nate Hobbs is playing in a different spot. Last year, he played in the slot. Talk to people about why that's an issue and perhaps why uh, Nate Hobbs is struggling in that position playing more outside versus the slot. Now, I will say someone on Twitter, I was conversing with someone on Twitter who played the cornerback position and pointed out that it's easier to play on the boundary than playing the slot. While that yeah. is true, let's remember that when, you, when Nate Hobbs came out of college, right, came out of Illinois, he was an outside corner. Mm-hmm. And then on the pro level, because Bradley decided to use him as a slot guy. He played exceptionally well. So just remember that just because a player plays in a certain spot on the collegiate level, they may be better suited for a different spot on the pro level. Mm-hmm. Like we're seeing more of Meek Robinson playing in the slot, right? And and he had a pick against the uh, <laughs> against the 49ers, our <laughs> sure guy. Is. So just keep in mind that just because you played a certain position in college doesn't mean that's going to be your position on the pro level. Now, on top of that, with Nate Hobbs, as you pointed out, he played primarily in the slot as a rookie. Mm. Then he shifts outside this year. So he just may be a better slot defender than he is a boundary In the pros, right. And on the pro level, even yeah. though, generally speaking, the slot position is a lot harder because you got to know, as Amik Robinson came on his show, he explained it to us. I yeah. asked him, what's the difference? I, I had an idea, but I wanted him to explain to our, our audience. And he talked about run fits. And he said, on the mm-hmm. boundary, you also have that extra help of the sideline. So I get that the, that the boundary position, generally speaking, is an easier spot. But when you talk about fit on the pro level, some guys are better on the outside. Some guys yeah. are better on the, in the slot. And that may be the case for Nate, for Nate Hobbs. He's allowed over a, a 113 passer rating in coverage. He's allowing 73% a completion rate in coverage. Not very good com- compared yeah. to what he played, how he played as a rookie. So I think maybe you would want to think about moving him back to the slot as a primary slot defender. Now, keep in mind, he is playing both slot and on the outside. outside more yeah. stuff, a lot more on the outside, but he he has double duty. So when the Raiders are in nickel, you'll see him in the slot. When the Raiders are in base and there are two cornerbacks out there, you'll see him on the outside. But having to juggle those two positions isn't an easy task. And yeah. I relate it to when I talk about offensive linemen. I know it's not the same position, but people assume that Every left tackle can play right tackle and vice versa. <laughs> Not the same. Mm-mm. You know, you're playing on the opposite side of the line. As I've said, offensive linemen have explained it as playing with your other hand yeah. or doing things with your opposite dominant, not your dominant hand. Yeah. So when it comes to being a cornerback, a slot cornerback and an outside cornerback, there are different skill sets involved. They're different. You have to have different abilities there. So it's not a seamless transition all the time. And I think that's partially to um, why he's tapering off. And again, maybe you consider moving him back to strictly in the slot next year. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I think I, listen, I don't think the kids lost his talent and I'm not trying to be hard on him because he struggled. It's just fact. I mean, the 49er game, uh, you saw it wide open again. He just really struggled against that that offense and against Brock Purdy. So we'll see. Hopefully he can bounce back. I mean, they need they need him. Uh, and Amik Robertson's improved again. He's he's gotten better, but he is he is a role player guy. And I think Nate Hobbs can be that starter. But the Raiders need to go get bodies. And the draft is coming up. You talked about premium uh, defensive positions in the draft, not only cornerback, but safety, linebacker, interior defense, even another defensive end. Chandler Jones is not getting younger. They have needs all over that. Um, when you look at that, and we're going to do a deep dive once we get to the offseason, but when you look at that, I, I think that the Raiders, listen, if they have a top, their top seven now draft pick, if they move up one more slot or they stay where they're at, they're going to have the ability to either get or trade up for what could perhaps be a, a franchise quarterback for their future. And I think they do that no matter what. I don't, I know about all the defensive needs, but you only get to be in that position in the top, top eight very, very rarely, maybe more so for the Raiders over the last 20 years than they'd like to admit. But nonetheless, you have to go get that quarterback, especially this year if you're there. If not, um, um, you're definitely going to go down further into that second, third, fourth, and the and the higher rounds to get or lower rounds to get these defensive players. The draft is deep at certain positions, but from a free agent standpoint, um, it's going to be tough, Mo. Right, because the money they have a lot they have a lot to spend under the cap space. But again, as Mo as excuse me as Murph talked about on his show last week, explaining to people why. A rookie quarterback deal helps you win a championship, actually build a team to win a championship. He gave all the examples. This is the same thing on defense. If you're going to build a stout defense, yes, you'll go get some free agents, but you really need to produce it through the draft. Absolutely. And I think I think one of the one of the points I want to emphasize is that I remember Dave Ziegler spoke, I believe it was in Sarasota, Florida, and he said, if you're spending in free agency, it's because you whiffed at certain positions and you yeah. got to patch up holes. Now, we all know that how the Raiders have drafted in previous years, so things are going to have to do some cleaning up there. But I don't think he's going to want to know GM wants to spend recklessly, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders spending is not what people think it is. I, I think, as you just brought up, I think they're going to spend a lot, not spend, but I think they're going to go a lot to the draft to, to fill a lot of holes. Now, I know that makes the team young, but as Murph pointed out on his show, you have to have a mix of veterans and guys who are playing at a high level on their mm -hmm. rookie deals to be successful because then you can load up at certain positions if you need to. But I, I think with assuming Derek Carr is traded, the best case scenario for the Rays would be that Derek Carr goes for a first rounder. I'm not saying he will go for a first rounder. I'm saying there are teams that are out there just before a quarterback who I think may think about offering the Raiders a one. That would be the best case scenario because then you can draft your – if you don't package those ones together – Let's say you get a one and maybe a, a let's say you get a, even if you get a two and a three, right? You can start packaging picks together, get your quarterback in the first round, and also move back up into the first round. We've seen teams do this in recent oh, yeah. drafts where where they they have a draft pick in the first round, but they'll trade back into the first round with their seconds and thirds to get a player that they want. I think the Raiders should consider that. They really mm -hmm. like a defensive player in the back end of the first round. Let's say it's a corner or an edge rusher or a linebacker. Go ahead up and get that guy because he yeah. can help your defense. Yeah, and I think they're going to have. I mean, even if the if listen, if Carr's doing scorched earth like we talked about in the last segment, um, then maybe he just waits it out and walks away as a free agent. There's risk inherently for him there because he's not guaranteed the deal as if he gets traded. 
So, so we'll see what happens there. But, but they also have Darren Waller, who I still think they should move and get picks for as well to get younger. So they, they might have that opportunity. And if they do have a wealth of picks, then yeah, they can, they can trade up in that first round or even early second round. There's, there's so much defensive talent there this year that that early second round is pretty much like a first round in other years. So, so I think there's opportunity to do that. So it's gonna be fascinating. And we're going to, of course, cover it all here on silver and black today, uh, all season as well. Uh, but we are to the end of this first show of the week on Tuesday. We're going to be back on Thursday. Remember the Raiders play Saturday. So we're going to have a show Saturday, of course, after the game. And on Thursday, we'll have that. We'll also incorporate the mail into Thursday's show, Mo, as we preview the big game. And I say big game. Yes, the Raiders are out of the playoffs, but they have a way, they have an opportunity to spoil it a little bit for the Kansas City Chiefs as they roll into Allegiant Stadium. That's going to be a fun one to talk about, Mo. Yeah, someone on Twitter also brought to me that is there a possibility, I think it's Les Mitchell on Twitter. Shout out to Les Mitchell, by the way, because he's one of the rational Raider fans. He brought to me, <laughs> he was worried about if the Raiders may rest guys because they're out of playoff contention. And I responded to him. I said, think of it this way. Josh Jacobs has a chance to wrap up being wrap, wrap up winning the rushing title. I don't yeah. think he's going to pass that up going into free agency. He's going to want to be out there. And the other thing is you have Jared Stidham out there, and being that he's probably going to be in your QB plans, you want him to get out there and get snaps with Devontae Adams, with Darren Waller, with Hunter Renfro, because at this point you don't know for sure who's going to stay and go, but you yeah. want to at least give him that experience with the guys on the field, with your core offensive players. Yeah, especially you want that offense to be full strength for him, just like they were against the 49ers. Um, and keep showcasing Darren Waller. Darren Waller had a great game, obviously, and I think they'll need to do that too. So, yeah, I, I agree, man. All right, Mo, well, listen, man, we will talk to you on Thursday. Hopefully I have my Stidham jersey by then. Yeah. Oh, by the way, before we, for, <laughs> before we forget, um, what do you got coming up here people need to read? Well, actually, I'm going to take a look at where Stidham fits. Mm. Is Stidham a fit in the Raiders' future QB plans? I'll go into why he is. I kind of spoiled it for myself on the show, but that's what I do here on Silver and Black today. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about where he fits in the plans. Again, I'm not saying that he's gonna be the guy because a lot of people have changed their <clears throat> profile pics and they got their Stidham Twitter handle names. They're very creative <laughs> and they're very funny. But as I said on this show, I, I think he's gonna be in the plans. But he at at the very least, he's gonna be a backup lurking in the scenes now. It all depends on do the Raiders get a rookie and get another bridge? Is he the bridge quarterback that leads you to a rookie? I'll get into that in the column. I got fans DMing me this this last few days saying they swear to God that this was the plan all along. That the reason they got Stidham was because McDaniels and Ziegler <sighs> believe so strongly in him that he is the guy. Not just the bridge guy, but the guy. Now, I'm not going to go that far. I told them... Eh, well, time will tell, right? I don't think that's the case. But there's people who are believing it. So a lot of people are getting on that train, which, again, I understand it's fans. It's something new. Uh, they feel excited. He went out and balled in his first game. But let's let's pump the brakes just a little bit. Did you hear the conspiracy theories that Josh McDaniels set up Derek Carter Phil purposely so they could start <laughs> dressing him? So yeah, he he meant to piss off Devontae Adams. Yeah, he meant sure. to cause some some strife in the locker room to, to right. put himself on the hot seat for us. I'm sure. He did. Right, just like he didn't call the same plays. Well, yeah, like when if I have a hitter who in baseball who's a power hitter, I'm not going to have them bunt. Right. I mean, people have different strengths. You play to the strength of the player at the position, and so you saw rollout plays 
for Jared Stidham. You didn't see for Derek Carr because he can run them better. It's not a knock on Derek Carr. It's just different. So everybody, yeah, everybody's got their feelings hurt, and I get it. And hopefully, uh, man, I'll tell you what, a win over the Chiefs on Saturday might, uh, might, might heal some wounds. It might heal some wounds, but I think this is this is this is. I don't want to over exaggerate. I don't want to be hyperbolic because yeah. you know I don't like to do that. But right. this this is the biggest game in a biggest moment in Jared Stidham's career. Yes. I know he hasn't started, so obviously, yeah. But in this in this game, he can put himself in the running to be that bridge gap quarterback. And yes. if he looks good against Patrick Mahomes, let's say he has a duel with Patrick Mahomes, the game is 45-44, and the Raiders win the game. Best case scenario, right? Then you have to start looking at Jared Stidham in different light. And I think that's going to be a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? If he plays anywhere near that, it might be that because this Chiefs defense is nowhere near as good as the 49ers. They're good. They're not great. They're middle of the road. Uh, and so if he can do it against the 49ers, but the Chiefs and Andy Reid uh, and that group have a lot of film now from at least one game that they can study that they didn't have before. So we'll see how they prep for it. And that's pretty good coaching staff. So we'll see. All right, Mo, we will talk to you on Thursday, my friend. It should be fun. All right. Uh, I want to thank all of you for joining us. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast again. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe down below. Hit that bell. You see the bell right down there? Hit that so you get a notification anytime we have a new video. For our producer, David Stepanian, for my partner, Mo Moten, I'm Scott Branson. This has been... Silver and black today. Have a great week, Raider Nation.